bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Patty, do you have a testimony about what the Lord has done for you? Come on up. This, this Patty, I'm sorry. We're not used to more than one Patty in the room. August, beginning of November, um, I just had a leading to go and um, have a mammogram done. And um, I have them periodically and maybe not as much as I should have them done through the years, but I just felt like I needed to go and have one. I went to my doctor and she said, when was the last time you had one? And I said, oh, a couple years. And she said, well, I think it's time for you to say. I have a couple tests, so I went and um, I found out that um, I had uh, I had cancer in my right breast, and um, I just kind of was a little shocked, to be honest with you. I was like, okay, you know, but um, I was glad that I went, and um, I work in an oncology office that does radiation, and as soon as Dr. Doseritz found out, he went. You know, uh, since he got the PATH report, he said, I mean, I was in the room. I mean, it wasn't like, okay, in the office, <laughs> you know. So um, I had to go down and see a surgeon, and um, she, uh, she told me that there was, I had some options, and um, so I chose. Uh, well, she wanted me to have more MRIs because they had shown other spots, you know, on on me, so I had about four areas um, on my right breast, and um, my left one was good, even though, you know, I just have icky breast. <laughs> but anyway, it was good. And um, so uh, then um, they had to do more tests. They had to do MRIs. They had to do needle biopsies. They had to do all these things, and they knew the one area was had uh, cancer in it, but it wasn't, it was non-invasive. It wasn't, um, as far as legal term or medical terms, it was, um, it hadn't gone invasive into my nodules. It was just non-invasive. It really wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal if I had, not, had let it grow. Yeah, it yeah. so, um, but anyway. Um, I had surgery, you know, I, all those other places they ha had biopsied was benign at this point. So I said, thank you, Lord. So then she wanted to go in and check the margins and check where that one spot was. And I allowed her to do it. And hallelujah, all my clear, I'm clear margins. You know, oh, praise the Lord. All my margins and everything are clear. So, um, but on, through this is what I want to say is that I did talk to my pastors. I did get their input um, because I do work in a cancer, um, an oncology office. I've seen people come in and um, from having just skin cancer to brain cancer and whatever, you know. And I said, Pastor Bob, I, um, I've seen a lot, and I don't want to be in that place where I say, I believe God, and I say to Dr. Doseritz or to them that, you know, I, I don't want your help. And um, he said, and I said, but I also said, you said, that God is with you, he takes you through it, and you get in the boat. And I chose to get in the boat. 
Um, I just, um, I've, seen too, I've seen too much where in my mind that I could just say, no, you know, I don't want, I don't want your help. Doctors, you know, I mean, they've gone to, you know, 38, 40 experience. They see what cancer does. And um, I just, I just said, no, I, I need to go through this. But in through that, I got in word. And before Pastor Bob had even started teaching on suddenly, I, it came to me about the woman with the issue of blood that suddenly I touched from home. And I would go on YouTube and I listened to suddenly that thing. And Pastor Morgan would say, I would say, Pastor Morgan, I really don't want to have to go through this. I said, I would rather have a suddenly. <laughs> and um, he would say, you know, and I would just, I would go through the house. I mean, that's just how I do and meditate on. I sing and I think about the song and I think about suddenly and I said, Oh, Lord, I really don't. You know, of course, I don't have to go to the cross. <laughs> you went to the cross for me, but I really don't want to have to go through this. And um, I knew in my heart that, you know, and then he started talking about suddenly, and then that really got me excited. And um, I, um, I just, that Sunday, be, um, and it took, it took a little while, but I just kept expecting. I kept... Um, I kept thinking I cannot go into surgery without knowing that God was with me, that knowing that God's word, that, I, that he, was, he was with me, he was for me, that his word was true, that by Jesus' stripes I am the healed no matter what it was, no matter, no matter what they want to do with me. I mean, whether you have radiation or whatever. I knew that I was healed, and when I went up, as soon as Pastor Bob played that first note, I knew to go up front, but I was determined that I was not going to leave there. I mean, it wasn't a thing that we are going to sing that song a couple times. She might have been there all afternoon if God didn't show up, <laughs> because I was determined. I was determined. I was like, God, you've got to show up. Suddenly, a touch from heaven. And he set me free. And one glance of his glory, and I will be never the same. And that song, those two songs rolled around in me for a couple weeks. I mean, you know, it, it didn't really take that long. It really wasn't even that hard. It was just I wanted God to show up. I wanted him to say, Patty, it, everything's going to be okay. And I knew, I knew, and... The anointing of God, I mean, I, I will never be the same. I mean, I will never be the same. I mean, that touch, I mean, I mean, when I go into worship now, I mean, even the next day I was sitting in my bathroom, or it might have been the day before I had surgery, I was singing, I mean, all of a sudden those words, one touch of it, and that presence came around me again. And I just knew that he was with me. I knew that that everything was going to be all right. Yeah. And everything is okay. Amen. And um, so I just give God the glory, and it's not hard. It's not, it's not hard to your mind, you know. I mean, especially, I mean, you hear the word cancer, and, you know, it wants to. Um, but, I, you know, I really just couldn't believe it. I mean, I mean, I just really just couldn't believe it that I was even... Yeah, but anyway, but praise God. I know. Amen. And whatever. Our pastor, our pastor, and Pastor Jerome, and Pastor Morgan, if you ever need anything, they are here for you. No matter what you're going through. Amen. And they will lead you, and they will guide you, and they will pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, lift your hands to the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Glory to you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord God. We bless you. We honor you, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Lord God. 
Thank you, Lord God, for your glory in our lives. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your year of your favor, where you do favors upon us. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All glory to our God. All glory to our King. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 God is good. You guys can be seated. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you to open to 2 Peter chapter 1 this evening. I almost said this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we come before you right now to hear your word, to sit at your feet, to be taught of your Holy Spirit, to receive impartation of revelation within our spirit. Father, that we'll take hold of the things that you're declaring to us, that we would hear by the Spirit, the things that the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord Jesus, we know that you walk through the midst of the church, and we do believe that the things that you bring to us and, and what it is you want us to hear, these are the things that are needed for us so that we can grow and develop, that we continue to increase in your divine nature in your character, in your life, conforming to the image of Jesus, walking in a manner worthy of you. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing that comes on the word, that removes burdens and destroys yokes, that we continually walk in the victory, being the overcomer that you've made us to be in all things, no matter what. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received the faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To those who have received the faith of the same kind as ours. Same faith, like precious faith. Isn't that right? Amen. Same faith means equal, equally precious. We all have that faith in Jesus, and it is equally precious. It's valuable. It is valuable. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we have received this precious, precious faith in Christ. And we have received that righteousness from God in Christ. Amen. And he says here, a bondservant and apostle to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, which means that there is a fellowship in this precious, valuable, same kind of faith. Yeah. Amen. And it is so important that as believers that we fellowship with one another of utmost importance. You know, it was number two, number two. Yeah, it was number two on the list when they uh, on, after the day of Pentecost and all those folks got saved, it says they continued in, number one, the apostles' doctrine. Number two, fellowship. Number three, breaking of bread. And number four, prayer. And that's in order of importance. And fellowship is number two. You do not, do, do not back away or stay away from fellowship because it's fellowshipping with those that are of like precious faith. You know, iron sharpens iron. Isn't that right? You know, you might get together and talk about old Seinfeld episodes that you laughed about and stuff, but then there's times that you talk about the Word and there's things that God has done for you. Isn't that right? Deep calls to deep. Amen. Amen. Strengthening that comes from life in the Word just by fellowshipping with others. Strength comes from that. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. Welcome, everybody, on live stream, podcast. Glad you could be with us tonight. Hallelujah. It says, and all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. 
Okay. All these, talking about the Old Testament saints, this is Hebrews chapter 11. This is God's hall of faith. Hebrews 11. They have gained approval through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Because God provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made complete. So there is a joining together between them and us. You know, and there is a, as much as we fellowship and are to fellowship with believers and with one another, there is a fellowship all through the ages that's being all joined together. The old and the new being joined together. That line upon line, revelation upon revelation, anointing upon anointing. Apart from us, they cannot be made perfect. Amen. It could not be accomplished apart from us. It could not come to an end and could not be finished apart from us. You were born for just such a time as this. You were born to help bring the current ages to a finish. Amen. And by doing so, you were here to usher in the next age of the millennial reign and ultimately the new heavens and the new earth. But I want you to understand that there is a fellowship in that anointing that has come down all through the ages. And the fellowship all through the Old Testament, 4,000 years through the Old Testament, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing being passed on and passed on. And they could not receive what was promised. But everything they did was for us. Amen. Amen. So as much as there's fellowship among believers, there is a fellowship of all believers for all time. Fellowship in that anointing. So let's go down that road. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God, this is Paul speaking, According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. All right, there are foundational ministries that lays foundations down in people's lives. But then there is also building upon that foundation. Just like a house, you start with the foundation, but then you build the house. Isn't that right? Nothing there. When you look at the plans of a house and the design of a house, you don't look at and go, wow, look at that foundation. You don't do that. In fact, you don't even realize the foundation is there. But that thing you are looking at, that architectural design that you are looking at will never happen without that foundation. So there is a foundation, but then there's building upon the foundation. And building upon the foundation, there is nothing new under the sun. And everything that's being built from the days of Adam until now, it's being built upon all through the ages upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming to the place to where we all will fellowship together as the living temple of the living God. Building us up into living stones. Hallelujah. We're in, what, the 21st century now. Well, you know, at the turn of the century, the 20th century, okay, the teaching that was going on within the body of Christ at the turn of the 20th century was the same teaching that was going on at the turn of the 21st century. Because I checked all that out as we were coming into the 21st century. I went back to the beginning of the 20th century and saw, I wanted to see what they were teaching. Same thing. It was the same thing. Amen. But it was added upon with new light and increased revelation. It was, it was nothing new. It was just digging deeper into it. Do you understand? Now, any of you know Bond's notes, Bond's commentary? All right, so he says this, the whole system of revelation is to become complete. The whole system. You're living right now in a piece of revelation. And as much as that piece blows your mind, 
It is only a piece. But there is a whole system from the day God put Adam and Eve in the garden. And then when Adam sinned and God made a declaration and said to the serpent, you will bruise the heel of the seed of woman, but he'll bust your head. And God started for speaking his word to set the ages. And it's come down through the periods of time. And there is a whole system of revelation that must be fulfilled and complete. And the total finality of all of this revelation will be the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we see him, we'll be just like him. Glory to God. The whole system of revelation could not be completed in one generation or in one dispensation. It could not be completed. Now, I want you to think about something, if your mind can think this, because it usually just blows your mind. But think about the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, where his saints will reign with him, the church will reign with him, There'll be nations on the earth of people that got saved, but they're not the church. And this is going to go on for a thousand years, and there'll be no death for a thousand years. And Jesus will be the one reigning. And then after that millennial reign will come a new heaven and new earth. The old ones will pass away, and a new heaven and new earth. And the new Jerusalem will come down upon the earth. And there'll be no need for the sun or the moon for Jesus and the Lord and God will be the light. Now, if you tell me you can imagine that, I'm going to tell you you're wacky. There's no way you can imagine that. In fact, if you even think you have an idea of it, It is so minute that it would not even match a piece of sand on the seashore. The whole system of revelation that started with Adam is to come all the way through the ages into the millennial reign and into the new heavens and new earth. This could not be done Overnight, even though, well, you know, God is is God and he could. Yeah, but he's working with you. And it couldn't be complete right away. So how many times, you don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many times has God said something to you or asked you about something and you said no? Okay. Well, how many times do you think that happened through the ages? And God finally had to find somebody that would say yes. It takes time. It could not be completed in one generation or even in one dispensation. Our existence, Bonds continues to say this, our existence and the development in our times were as necessary to the perfection of the whole system as the promise that was made to the patriarchs. Our time is just as important as the patriarchs' time because it's all about the perfection of the system. We're trying to get the perfection of a word. And God's looking at a whole system that needs to be perfected. As the system would not have been complete if the blessings had been simply conferred on us without the previous arrangements of the Old Testament and the long scheme of introductory measures. The Old Testament is all about an introduction to where we are now. That's all introducing you as to what's coming up. So it would not have been complete if the promise had been merely given to them without the corresponding fulfillment in our times. It needed all of it. So they are now like we are, it's like two parts of a tally. You have the beginning part, you have the ending part. 
on a tally, you have the, 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 the numbers you're adding up, and then it gets tallied out at the end, the total. They were the tally that's getting added up, and then this generation becomes the, the dispensation becomes the total. Are you with me? The fathers, the Old Testament, they had one part in the promises, and we have the other part in the fulfillment of it. And neither would have been complete without the other. The promises without the fulfillment don't do you any good. And a fulfillment without a promise doesn't work. There's nothing to fulfill if there's no promise. Isn't that right? So if they, under the influence of the mere promise of future blessings, were enabled to persevere, how much more reason is there for us to persevere who have been permitted by the coming of the Messiah to witness the, per the, the perfection of the system? That's what you're living in right now, the perfection of the system. You're getting to witness the perfection of the system. Glory to God. You were born for this day that your eyes get to see it. That you get to live it. You get to be a part of it. The completion of God's system. Oh, son, this goes well beyond, I hope I feel better tomorrow. It goes well beyond that. If you get a hold of this, the way you feel ain't going to mean much of anything anymore. You're in a system, and not the world system, not the pharmaceutical system, not the economic system. You're in God's system. Oh. See, if you can understand this, that other stuff falls to the wayside. Pretty much your attitude's going to be, you got to be kidding me. You're going to look at the devil and you're going to be, are you kidding me? You got to be kidding me. You said what? Let me tell you what they said all through the ages. And let me tell you about the perfection that I'm living in right now. You, you son, you don't have a chance. Because even for those that were believers and the devil killed them in car accidents, he killed them in sickness he's killed them through uh, 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 mental issues but you know what when Jesus comes back they're all coming back and going we're back hallelujah faith that continued to speak Continue to speak, continue to speak. And now is the time of the corresponding actions, the perfection of it. Because faith is not perfected without actions. Faith, 4,000 years. Corresponding actions, 2,000 years. Culminates in the return of Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that really excites me. Maybe you couldn't tell. Back to 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11. Oh, 10 through 12, I'm sorry. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. As to this salvation... The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. All right, we're talking about the Old Testament prophets, right? All right, they prophesied of the grace that would come to you, and they made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you 
in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels even long to look. Angels cannot even look into it. They don't understand this salvation thing. It was revealed to them. They prophesied through the ages. They prophesied, and they knew that there was something. There was something about Messiah. And even Job said, my Redeemer liveth. That was foretelling, wasn't it? And they were not serving themselves, it says. They were not serving themselves. Who were they serving? Us. They were serving us. And it was good that they chose to serve us for our sake. But also, they would not be complete apart from us. So it was a very wise choice that they would serve us by obeying God and speaking out his word to us. Amen. Hallelujah. So it benefited both them and us, right? Why? Because we're in fellowship together. See, that's the fellowship of, of, the, of the ages all together, all joined together. Word upon word. Faith upon faith, anointing upon anointing, revelation upon revelation, covenants upon covenants upon covenant, priesthood upon priesthood, sacrifice upon sacrifice, on and on and on, all moving through the ages coming up to this day. Oh, hallelujah. That's why it says the whole family in heaven and earth has been named from Father, and the name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Smith Wigglesworth, he made the statement. He said that he was hungry for God, and he spent years seeking and hungering after God. He spent years seeking and hungering after God. This goes beyond the five-minute devotional in the morning. He spent years seeking and hungering after God. Now, that was Years ago. Okay. But then the fire fell. He hungered and sought after God and the fire fell. His object in life was to live in unbroken communion with God. When did Smith live? What, what, what year? Okay. So it wouldn't take that long today because things are speeded up. But it still takes the same heart condition of hungering and seeking after God. You've got to have, got to have more. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. So his object was to be in unbroken communion with God. And that's an example to us of the kind of yearning and desire and heart condition that it takes. Spending time with, you know, uh, uh, Romans 8 talks about how all creation uh, 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 it travails and, you know, they're yearning and it's that whole childbirth uh, 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 scenario. And then he says in verse 26 that likewise, we also, we also, isn't that right? In fact, throw that up, Romans 8, 26. So he was talking about creation and how creation yearn and how creation is yearning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Creation is wanting to see the manifestation of the sons of God. And it, it's going through that travailing process and the birth pains process of all of creation. And he says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we should. In the same way, what same way? The travail, the birth process, and, and the same as creation is going through, in the same way, we are to travail and groan and intercede within our own self. Amen. Amen. Why? Because it's all joined together in God's system. Spending time travailing within ourselves, yearning and hungering for God. Smith said there's two sides of the Holy Spirit baptism. The first side, you possess the Holy Spirit. 
The second side, the Holy Spirit possesses you. Now, that doesn't mean he takes control over you, but when the Holy Spirit possesses you, no is no longer in your vocabulary. I don't want to is no longer in your vocabulary. The only thing you say is, yes, sir, how much, and whatever. Amen. Letting the Holy Spirit take control of your life. There's two things if you want to leap out of yourself and into the promises of God. And remember the promises of God. You know, when we think about the promises of God, how many times we think about healing, we think about uh, uh, prosperity, we think about, uh, um, um, you know, advancing in certain things, whatever it might be. But God's idea of entering into the promises is you act more like Jesus. You take on his character. You walk more in his life, his fruit of the Spirit. That's God's idea of increase in our life. Amen? Because it's out of those things that the others come. Why is it that so many times, you know, we might be believing God for something. Let's just say something's come upon you and you're believing God to be well. And, and it just seems to take a lot of time. What's the problem? But I believe, but I believe, but I believe. Yeah, but sometimes it's character development. You know, in Hebrews, in fact, run over there for a minute. Let's take a little sidestep. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, I believe it is. Talking about Jesus, which most of the Bible does, but it's talking about Jesus here. And he says of Jesus, he, Jesus, is the radiance of his or Father's glory. And Jesus is the exact representation of Father's nature. And he upholds all things, not by the power of his word, but by the word of his power. See, what's the real power of God? His nature. His nature is his power. He is the light. There is no darkness at all in him. That is the power source, the nature of God. And out of the nature comes his word, which is full of his nature. And therefore, the word is full of his power. So it's not always I got to grow in faith. I got to grow in faith. No, you got to grow in some character. Amen. I know this don't get taught much, but it's a missing link. Jesus walked around. He was the exact representation of the Father's nature. My goodness. Are you Jesus of Nazareth? I am. Bam! Down on the ground. Power. Why? Nature. Nature. It's growing in the nature of God. Conforming to the image of Jesus is the greatest part of your salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Two things to leap out of self and into the promises. Number one, purity. Number two, faith. And faith is kindled by more purity. And as purity grows, faith continues to get kindled. You know why? Why do you think faith is kindled as you develop in purity? Because you'll never walk any more pure than you are right now without faith. What is the character of God? Briefly, love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. You ain't doing none of that without faith. Oh, no, no, I could be good. I can be, I, I, I'm good. Yeah, until somebody tells you off, gets in your way, and acts really, really bad towards you. And then you literally just let them know where it's at. <laughs> yes, yes. Are you with me? Purity, number one, faith, number two. John G. Lake said this, the more he experienced God in answered prayer, 
in a touch of God, the Holy Spirit created him a more intense longing for an intimacy and consciousness of God. And his heart was crying out for more. Crying out for more. But yet, God was answering his prayers. God was touching him. But by that happening, what was created in him? A more intense yearning for more. He didn't walk around like a lot of 21st century Christians go, I got that. Oh, I got that. Oh, I got that. You ain't got jack. (laughs) Don't even talk to me about that. Because of the answers of God and the touch of God in his life, it created in him, I want more. I want more. I want more. I got to have more. I need more. More. An intense longing for God. Are you with me? The cry of his heart. Got to have more. 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 He left his office one day in Chicago. And he was, uh, now this was in the early 1900s, wasn't it? John, uh, John G. Lake. He was walking down the street in Chicago. He's so wrapped up about more God, more God. He yells out, I got to have more of you. And he's in the street in Chicago. You know, he probably thought that, he was, that they probably thought he was one of those crazy people that just screams things out. Did you ever have that happen to you? Yeah. Any of you ever live in the city? You have people come up and they just walk. And all of a sudden they just like, ah! and you're like, oh, what, what is that? You know, <laughs> I forget what they call that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, he just screams out. He, he doesn't even realize where he's at. He's just so wrapped up wanting some more of God. He just screams out, God, I got to have more of you. He would set certain times aside each day for meditating on the word and for prayer. So that no matter what he was doing in life, his spirit was maintaining an attitude of communion with God. You know, you don't need to be on your knees and next to your bed to be communicating with God. You could be busy with the, you know, people say things like, well, I'm just too busy. I got a lot going on. What has that got to do with anything? The reason that you think that is because you're not in communion with God. And you could be in a communion with God regularly, continuously. You're a spirit being. He's a spirit. You do your job with your mind, and you drive your car with your body. But you're in communion with God in your spirit. Amen. One day, when John Lake was travailing in the spirit, he said it was like he passed under a warm shower. That it was falling not on him, but through him. And it was an awe of the presence of God that settled over him. Then currents of power began to rush through his being from his head to his feet. You know what that means? It means you're, you're sitting there and you're. And it ain't called out. You're just shaking with the power of God. It then increased more and more. He received the revelation of the nature of Jesus Christ to him and in him. And the desire to proclaim the message of Christ and demonstrate the power of Christ to save and to bless grew until his life was swayed by this overwhelming passion. Just like Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake What they received was not only for them or only for the people of their day, but it was to be passed on and added to previous revelations so that we can all come to a place of perfection. But what has happened through the years? All of a sudden, the church thinks they are smart and they know something better than what those old guys talked about. And we don't do what those old guys did. We got something different. Yeah, it's called carnality. And you wonder where the power went in the church. This was all passed down to be added on to each 
generation. Not to be done away with like, well, that's just, that, that stuff, that's old school stuff. Really? Laying hands on the sick and they're healed is old school. The power of God is old school. Walking in conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ is old school. Faith, the anointings for res restoration of the whole fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Faith and anointings for the restoration of the helps ministry. Jesus had helps ministries. Faith for healing, prosperity, for peace, for refreshing in Christ. The Holy Spirit, a restoration of Holy Spirit baptism and speaking in tongues. Restoration of these things. These things haven't passed away. Travailing in the Holy Ghost. Faith for your family. Faith for soundness of mind. Unity in the Spirit. The Spirit of joy. Being free from a poverty mentality. Growing in the divine character of God. It's an unwrapping of the Word of God, layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. Prophecy, gifts of the Holy Spirit, authority given to us to operate as a spirit man, seed sowing in our life, reaping from the seeds that we sow. All of this is part of the kingdom. And this is what we should be growing in, developing in, partaking of. Because without it, you're only left with the world system. This is not about take one or the other. This is about adding everything together and partaking of it all. Coming to the completion of the system of revelation that will usher in the coming of our king. When was Jesus born the first time? In the fullness of times. What was the fullness of time? The fullness of revelation. The fullness was given and Jesus was then ready to be born. And in the fullness of time, he will return. At the completion of the whole system. So at the fullness of the prophecies, prophecies Jesus was born. And at the, full, at the fulfillment of the Completion, Jesus will return. And while we're in the system, we ought to be preparing as many as we can to be ready for his coming. While we are walking in faith and anointing for restorations of the fivefold ministry gifts, the helps ministry, healing, prosperity, peace, refreshing, Holy Spirit baptism, tongues, travail, family, soundness, unity of spirit, unity in the body, spirit of joy, free from a poverty mentality, growing in a divine character, prophecy, gifts of the spirit, authority, operating as a spirit man, sowing seed and reaping according to that which we've sown. It's all part of the system. Amen. Just as the Old Testament saints did all that they did and believed with all. Oh, I'm sorry. The Old Testament saints did all that they did and believed and they did it all without the fruition of the promise. And they did it for us. Which then leads us for the, with the question, who are we living for? The system of revelation has not been complete. Yeah, I believe that he's coming back in my lifetime. Well, you can believe that all you want, but what if he don't? Because you don't know. You don't know. The only thing you know for sure is that within your lifetime, either he's going to come for you or you're going to him. It's the only thing you know for sure. So who are you living for? Or is this just about you needing to be healed or you needing prosperity or you needing whatever it is you need from God? Who are you living for? If they live for us, who are we living for? What if 
the promises of God that you're looking at in that Bible, you couldn't attain it. Would you still press into it? Well, you would if you weren't living for yourself. But if you're only living for yourself, then you wouldn't do it. The system of revelation has not been complete yet. How do you know? Jesus isn't back. The system is not complete. The promise of the rapture has not taken place. We have not stepped into the millennial reign of Christ, and we are not living in a glorified body. Thank you, Jesus. And our salvation is not complete, spirit, soul, and body. So what are we preparing for the generations ahead? We come to church, we sit here, we hear the word. We hear what we need, hear what we want. But what are we preparing for the next generation? We look at the next generation and wonder, oh, geez, I don't know if God could ever. What are you doing for the next generation? What is your part in all of this? Hebrews 11. Verses 32 to 40. Hebrews 11, 32 to 40. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness was made strong, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonments. And they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. And men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. They were all living by faith, living in a conviction, a refusal to compromise willing to die for what they believe for, and they did it all without ever receiving the promise. Because they did it all for the next dispensation. They did it for us. Isn't that right? So when the Bible tells us the just shall live by faith, that's a great example of living by faith and refusing to compromise without promise. See, take the promise out of the equation of everything you're standing with God about and ask yourself, would you still stand? Some have a hard time with this. You know, well, I'm not believing for health, but, you know, I could use some more money. But it doesn't matter if we have everything or if we have nothing. The requisite remains the same. Live by faith. Whether you need or whether you don't need, live by faith. What's wrong with the church? The church don't know how to live by faith unless they have a need. But faith is not about a need. If we lived by faith, needs would get taken care of because you'd know how to take care of them by faith. Are you with me? This life is not about living for self and what we get. It is about joining with the generations that have gone before us and then setting the path for the generations coming up. See, what are we doing to set the path for the next generation? What are we doing? What great testimonies do we have? 
that the next generation can look to. 30, again, let's go back to 33 through 37. Read those again. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonments. And they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin, goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. Great testimonies. I look at that as great testimonies. Now, when I first got saved, it scared the nonsense out of me. <laughs> and I've come to realize those are great testimonies. You know, sometimes we share with others and we think, well, they didn't listen. They just don't listen. You know why? Because we always expect instant response from people. First of all, we think we're perfect. So therefore, what I share, you ought to respond to that. Right? And at the same time, we want instant gratification. We expect a McDonald's drive through <laughs> response from people. I mean, the street ministry, you're out all the time. And how many times people don't listen to what you say? Well, you remember Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And when Stephen was out in the street and then he was speaking the things of God and spoke, looked at the people and said, y'all killed the Holy One. And they could not, they could not uh, argue with his wisdom, so they had to shut him up. So they stoned him and killed him. And who held the coats of the people? Saul. Saul. What happened to Saul on that day? You know, it tells us in the verses later that he went into houses and was dragging people out of the houses, which he was actually so deranged in his mind because what happened with Stephen left such an indelible mark on him. He was trying to get rid of that mark. And it looked like Saul had no hope. Saul deserved nothing but to go to hell. The way he acts, I tell you what. Those people. Jesus died for every one of them. They might be your neighbor or they might be in Washington, D.C., but Jesus died for every one of them. And there is not a person on the face of the earth that deserves hell. The only one that deserves hell is Satan and his host. And hell was created for him. But through deception, there's others that have followed him there. Are you with me? The blood of Jesus was shed for every human being. And although it looks like people don't listen or people don't respond or they respond in a wrong way, what happened with Saul and Stephen was a seed that opened the door so Jesus could then appear to him. Why are you persecuting me, Saul? And Saul didn't stand up and go, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why I'm persecuting No. See, he already knew. He remembered Stephen. Indelible. Amen. So when we read this list in Hebrews, it should cause us to think a few things. Like, what does my life witness to others? Now, that doesn't mean, you know, that you have to be a king or a prince or, or a queen or, you know, some head of state or some thoughts of grandeur. Your influence may be in the realm of children and grandchildren. That could be your influence. Your influence could be a place where you work. That could be your place of influence. But what does our life witness to others? What do the choices I make show about where I stand? What are the, cho the, cho what are the choices that I make? What does it show? You know, listen. John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth both talked about how they were so hungry for God. John G. Lake set time 
he, he had a scheduled time every day to spend time in the Word, to meditate on the Word, and to pray. I guarantee you, if you invited him out for dinner, he wouldn't go. If you said, we got to go at this time, he'd say no. You know why? Because that, that was time set aside for the Word and for prayer. And he's not going to let anything get in the way. See, our decisions show actually where our hunger is. What are we hungry for? What, 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 what are our decisions showing to others? I told you this story before about the man that he couldn't, he didn't come to men's breakfast this one time. And I just called to see if he was okay. I'm not calling to say, hey, why weren't you there? I expect you to be. No, I just called to see if he was okay because he was always there. And he said, oh, yeah, I, I didn't go because my son was in town. I said, well, you could have brought your son. It's a men's breakfast. You can bring your son. In fact, Dean brought uh, his granddaughter <laughs> on a Saturday. You know, so, so I said, you could have brought your son. And he said, well, my son's an atheist. I said, that's okay. We like atheists. He says, yeah, but he'll have some comments. I'm like, well, that's okay. We can handle comments. <laughs> it's not a problem. Really, we don't, it's not a problem. You know, if he has a question, we'll answer it. If he just wants to talk ugly to us, that's fine. I'm eating my eggs. <laughs> not a big deal. You know, it just doesn't bother me. You know, we have some people who come to breakfast, they'll just cuss right in front of you. You know, but I'm eating my blankety fruit and I'm okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't bother me. So I said to her, I said, well, you could have brought him. And he said, well, no, no. I said, well, you understand now. You wanted to come to men's breakfast. You like to come to men's breakfast. You like to fellowship with other people. And you let an atheist now tell you whether you can go or not. Now, what do you think the atheist thinks about his dad that wouldn't go because he was there? I can get him to change his mind. I can keep him away from those things as long as I show up. It does. It happens all the time in so many different areas. This is why I tell you, Thanksgiving, we left and went to church. Because we were hungry for church more than we were hungry for turkey or dessert or even family. Amen. Are you with me? So again, what does my life witness to others? What do my choices show of where I stand? How obvious have my compromises become? Have I gotten so comfortable in my compromises I don't even recognize them but everybody else does or am I a picture of the stable one living by faith by the convictions of the word of God in my life and I'm unwilling to bend and I'm unwilling to bow and I am unwilling to burn because if you don't bow you don't burn but when you do bow you will burn so what does your choices show? What are your decisions showing? What does our life show? Because that is all what's part of setting the stage for the next generation. You say, well, they just don't listen. But what you do will be indelible. And they may run, but they will not be able to hide. Because once you have declared, once you have said, and once you have lived, the Holy Spirit will never let go of them as long as you continue to believe. Now, when you say things like, oh, they'll never change, you're just cutting off the Holy Spirit's influence in their life. Just like when you talk about people in Washington, D.C. and say those people have no hope. They deserve blah, 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 whatever it is. You're shutting off the Holy Spirit. So let's look ahead to those that are coming after us, the generations after us, and get on the path that drips and help others to know that the faith life is the real life. It's the only life that matters. You can look at my life. Look at my life and you will see my faith.
and it's one that does not compromise. It does not bend, and it does not bow. Isn't that right? Revelation is coming to a completion. The result will be the revelation of Christ and his second coming, the rapture of a glorious church. And it's all in the one who spoke from times past, all through the ages, and it is now time to be fulfilled in this time and in this season. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Can you handle a little more worship tonight? Okay, I'll try that again. Can you handle a little more worship tonight? <laughs> Can you handle a little more worship tonight? So again, Smith Wigglesworth said he was hungry for God and spent years seeking and hungering after him, and then the fire fell. If you have that same heart condition, that same yearning, and that same desire, the fire will fall. John G. Lake said that he experienced God in answered prayer and experienced God in a touch, and all it did was create in him a more intense longing for an intimacy and a consciousness of God as his heart was continually crying out for him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And it wasn't just for them. It was for those that were coming after them. And therefore, the yearnings of our heart and the desires of our heart and the yearning for more of God in our life is only going to set the stage for those that are coming after us. Amen.